hail and well-met, Traveler. Welcome to Threat Dice, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games, storytelling, and the vagaries of the dice. I'm your host, Kylan Wigan. I am one-third of the team at TumbleDye Games, a young company developing a new, hybrid storytelling RPG called Trove. We believe in the power of story, and the goal of Trove is to empower both players and game masters to level up the action, drama, and believability in their tabletop games. You can find out more at www.tumbledie.com, sign up for our newsletter, or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at TumbleDie, or Instagram. However, this pod is not just about our game. We love tabletop RPGs, all kinds, and we'd like to share with you some ideas from our own experience, both as players and game masters, that might help you take your games to new heights. Today, I'd like to continue the discussion from last week about dynamic combat encounters, and talk a bit about a relatively recent moment in my gaming history that changed the way I looked at RPGs, basically forever. My eyes were opened to an entirely new set of possibilities when, on a whim, I decided to play a single pickup session with some friends. A session of a game I'd never heard of before, called Dungeon World. So, I'm the kind of guy who will play any game you put in front of me. I was introduced to D&D at the young age of six, because my parents were just out of college when I was born, and they were gamers too. My dad, a role player with a pretty juvenile sense of humor, I realize in retrospect, with a pair of dwarves named Bob and Doug McKenzie. His other characters featured fighters with names like Thiamin, plucked off the back of a vitamin bottle. My mom, with a roster of several characters, who preferred to get back into the dungeon as quickly as possible so that they could squish some more monsters. My first dungeon master was their DM, a man with a story in his heart and enough love for his friend's kids that he first let me play with the grown-ups. I greedily plucked the gem from the eye of a statue and ended up diseased. My uncle's character teleported me back to town to have it treated. And then, as I showed more interest frantically filling an entire notebook with characters with randomly rolled stats. He created a game just for us kids, a fairy tale inspired jaunt where we had to save the three little orcs from the big bad werewolf. Finding the silver dagger hidden away in the orc's hut is a memory I will always treasure. As I grew up, my first DM moved across the country, and it turned out that I was the one with the drive to build stories. So as I got into my teenage years, I became the dungeon master for my family and friends. This was the late 90s, and we were playing 2nd edition D&D because we didn't know anything else. All throughout my childhood and teenage years, I collected copies of other RPGs. Alternity, Earthdawn, Merp, GURPS, and more were on my shelves, and if you know any of those names, <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> because, as it turned out, I loved systems. Reading about other games was just enthralling to me, but nobody ever wanted to play anything except D&D. Since most of all I wanted to play, that's what I ran. In my mid-teens, my first DM moved back to the local area, and we actually set about creating a custom RPG together. It was called Base 10, 
and it was the first gaming system that my then-girlfriend, now wife, ever learned. It was extremely simulationist, focused on a percentile result for everything, and focused on trying to capture the entirety of the universe while still remaining a universal system. It was rather like GURPS in scope, but sadly, we never completed the project. In my heart, I dreamed of doing something different from D&D. In my edgiest teenage moments, we played Vampire the Masquerade in a quiet room at the local university. But it never went far, and we always came back to D&D in the end. The reason I tell this story is because the context is necessary to tell you that just two years ago, give or take, I had my first real revelation in gaming. I have always been a story-first GM. I've been known to fudge the dice or the bad guy's hit points to heighten the drama of an encounter. I rarely did any of this in the favor of the enemies, but I have blunted a critical hit rolled behind my DM screen to keep from killing a PC outright. I loved trying to tell complex, world-spanning stories like the ones in the fantasy books I loved so much growing up. But as I'm sure you know, keeping any game group on story is hard enough, much less a bunch of teenagers. I finally got lucky enough to find a group of friends online who were all pretty serious about gaming. I jumped into a Pathfinder game with them, sort of on a whim, and that proceeded to reach level 13 and a true ending. The first time in my life that had ever happened, incidentally. I went from a character I barely cared about, one created on a whim to fill a missing open slot in the party, to one who truly influenced the world around him and grew out of the beliefs I'd forced on him out of my convenience. We had a second spare evening during the week, so I started a Starfinder game for the same guys, and that went just as well. For the first time, I was realizing the stories that I wanted to tell, and it was great. And then I came across a little thing called Dungeon World. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know what initiative order is, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that here. The idea that you roll a die and then sort everybody into turn order is great, and it's an easy thing for games. We used to do it with a d10 back when I started playing, with reaction bonuses, and I think the lower number was best. Now there's an initiative score, and it adds to a d20 like everything else, right? Then everybody goes in turns until the end of the round, and so on and so forth. Not so in Dungeon World. Apocalypse World, which is the progenitor of the Powered by the Apocalypse engine, was created by D. Vincent Baker back in 2010. He also created a Weird West-style game called Dogs in the Vineyard, using playing cards as the core mechanic, which I actually saw him speak at a panel about at PAX East a few years back. If you're not familiar with the Powered by the Apocalypse games, they are rules-light, story-focused games, that are designed to evoke a very specific setting or feeling through a light customization of flavor and mechanics. Dungeon World is a descendant of Apocalypse World, aimed at recreating the feeling of old-school D&D using the PBTA engine. There are many interesting things about this particular subgenre, but the one that got me the most fired up was this one. There's no initiative order. Like, at all. It's just not there. Instead, The entire game is focused around one question. What do you do? The whole idea is that the game master is telling a story, and just like in any book, the focus of that story turns to one of the protagonists. 
Because it is also a game, the protagonists are puppeteered by players. And so the GM asks, what do you do? This is as true out of combat as it is during combat scenes. The GM sets the scene, presents a danger or challenge or time running out, and then asks the player, what do you do? Everything, and I mean everything, rides on the GM. It was the most focused and frantic I had ever felt in the GM's chair. Except maybe those first early days back when I was 12 or so. I ran a very simple scenario for those guys I talked about above. And the power I had to create atmosphere and drama felt unparalleled. I used music and pictures to tell a little horror story about a wendigo living in a tomb. And even though we were playing online through Roll20, it was the most atmosphere I'd ever managed to evoke in a game. My players were invested, and so was I, and I kid you not, changed my life. We'd played it as a one-shot in between sessions of our Starfinder game, so while that resumed, I stewed on this new revelation. This was still quite some time before our little tumble-die venture began. I quickly spun up another demo session for my two partners, Andy and Kevin, who I've been friends with for a long time, and added in my wife, who's an author, so story is big for her as well. I set up some big mysteries, and we had two or three great sessions before life intervened and pulled the game apart. But it happened again. My players were having fun, I was having fun, and I was beginning to see that there was life and story outside the initiative order. See, there's this big thing with the action economy in games like D&D and Pathfinder. Player character effectiveness goes up pretty much exponentially as the number of players increases. Particularly if you're trying to show off one big bad, a group of five or six players can wreck a tough baddie in a single round, just because they all get to take an action while the bad guy gets exactly one turn. This had been a thorn in my side literally for decades because I like that particular trope, the confrontation with a bad guy, way out of the character's league, who knocks the protagonist around a bit and then leaves to come back later. This trope never worked for me in D&D, unless I was pitting my first level PCs up against an NPC who was at least high enough level for a damn teleport spell, and that always felt like cheating to me. I always wanted an antagonist who would grow with my PCs, one that would dog them for a long time, react to them, and get tougher as they did. But every time I introduced one, they would drop dead in round two, sometimes round one, to a lucky critical hit. D&D 5th Edition has tried to mitigate this a bit by introducing things like Legendary Resistance, where the bad guy can just spend a resource to autosave against a spell or effect, Legendary Actions, where the bad guy acts on something other than their regular turn, and Lair Actions, where the environment itself takes a turn on a specified initiative order, shifting the landscape or forcing saving throws or something. Still, to me, the story first GM, remember? This feels more like a band-aid on a broken system than an actual solution. This is one of the main reasons why Dungeon World was such a revelation for me. In DW, as the GM, I was expected to put the spotlight on a PC, what do you do, and then move the camera, describing something else happening, and then swinging the spotlight around to someone else. The flow was player story, player story, and I was expected to present things for them to react to, 
attacks in progress to be interrupted, dangers presenting themselves from far away, and only when a danger was ignored or unable to be responded to would I actually do damage to one of the characters. The whole thing was like directing a movie in real time, with only one take, while my actors improvised their every action and every line of the script. It also kept all of my players focused on the scene, because the spotlight doesn't go in turns, it just goes to whoever the GM passes it to. There's no turn order, as the GM is expected to help everyone get a chance to shine. This means that, unlike in initiative order, you can't just check out between your turns, because the story can swing back to you at literally any moment. If you've never played a PBTA game, and you like it when story drives your games, I really can't recommend enough that you give it a try. There's a bunch of them, covering all kinds of different genres and settings. It doesn't have to be a long-term commitment. Pick it up for a night or three, just to see the difference that a story-focused approach can bring. Dungeon World in particular has an SRD, which you can find at DungeonWorldSRD.com. That's how I tried it out, and you can too. In the end, the reason I didn't stick with PBTA long-term was because I found that its archetype-based approach was too constricting for the stories I wanted to tell. But that's another story. Hey there, everyone. Those with sharp ears may have noted earlier in the episode that I mentioned that my wife is an author, and so is a big fan of stories. I happen to be a huge fan of her work, and not just because I'm married to her. Her name is Zoe Cannon, and her current project is the Hound of Hades series, which starts with a book called Death Trace. Mal Keen came back from the dead five years ago. Since then, she's been fixing the god Hades problems for him, the kind that are best solved with a bullet. In the secret war between the gods, discretion is the name of the game, and Mal's got it covered. But there's a new player in town, someone with power that doesn't work the way a god's power should. They're strong enough to risk open war with Hades, and reckless enough to disregard the one rule all the gods can agree on, keep the mortals in the dark. And they're assassinating Hades' agents all over the city, including one of the two people Mal actually trusted. With the help of a sheltered priestess and a magic-wielding mortal who may or may not be on her side, Mal is going to hunt down the people and gods responsible. And she's going to show them why you don't mess with the god of death. If you like or love kick-ass female protagonists and fantasy of any kind, I wholeheartedly urge you to check out this series. You can find Zoe's website at www.zoecannon.com, and her books can be found on Amazon in the Kindle Unlimited program. Just search for Zoe Cannon. That's Z-O-E-C-A-N-N-O-N. Next time on Threat Dice, I'll be joined once again by Kevin and Andy as we talk about subverting what we all think we know about the stories we love the most. We'll talk about the unexpected, the confusing, and the surprising things about questions like this one. Is Gandalf really a wizard? Threat Dice is a production of Tumble Die Games, LLC. Our intro music is What Lies Beyond. The interludes are Clockwork. 
and the outro music is Storm, all by Vinsvept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash Vinsvept. That's V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Kylan Wigan. Do not meddle in the affairs of dragons, for you are crunchy and good with ketchup. You can find Threat Dice on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.